want to read you a poem first um, by a woman named Sor Juana Inés de la Cruz. And she was a poet that lived, um, I'm told, from 1651 to 1695. It's her poem called, Love Opened a Mortal Wound. Love opened a mortal wound. In agony, I worked the blade to make it deeper. Please, I begged, let death come quick. Wild, distracted, sick, I counted, counted all the ways love hurt me. One life, I thought, a thousand deaths. Blow after blow, my heart couldn't survive this beating. Then, how can I explain it? I came to my senses. I said, why do I suffer? What lover ever had so much pleasure? And then this is from Song of Songs 4. You have ravished my heart. You have ravished my heart with a glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How sweet is your love. How much better is your love than wine and the fragrance of your oils than any spice. Your lips distill nectar. Honey and milk pool under your tongue. The scent of your garments is like the scent of Lebanon. A garden locked, a garden locked and a fountain sealed. Your channel is an orchard of pomegranates with all choicest fruits. Henna with nard, nard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon, with all trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloes, with all chief spices, a garden fountain, a well of living water, and flowing streams from Lebanon. Awake, O north wind, and come, O south wind, blow upon my garden, that its fragrance may be wafted abroad, let my beloved come to his garden and eat its choicest fruits. Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm really, I'm really honored to, to be back here preaching. Some of you heard me at Anders' installation, and um, you know, some of you enjoyed that. I appreciate it. I'd, I'd love for you to lower your standards for this one, you know. <laughs> it's been a wild season with... Um, with everything going on, but uh, it, it is a joy to be here, and I want you all to know I gotta I gotta brag on Anders for a second. He he did not put me up to this. I want you to know, but you know you all got a pastor's pastor here right now, okay? And and. Tell them that it's not the you know the pack there. It is me. It's been confirmed. We've done another one. Jesus, okay. Do you want me to take this off? Yeah. All right. Check the yeah. Sorry, folks. I'm telling Pastor Anders about that one. Yeah. <laughs> now, you, you know, you all got a, a, a pastor's pastor, and I, you know, I've, I've learned there are kind of 
two two types of pastors maybe and um, Gretchen, you can correct me after the service if I'm wrong about this. But there, there are pastors that feel called from a very early age, and they, they kind of dream about it. They love to do it. And that, that's Anders. Ever since I've known him, he has known what he's going to do. And he, he's like that, isn't he? He knows, he knows the way. He's, he's very convicted. And, and then there are pastors like me that, you know, didn't get the jobs in finance that maybe they wanted and found their ways into churches and then just kind of never left. And that's not to say I don't like it. I, I love what I do. I do feel called, but it's not the same level of conviction. And so I, I want you all to know you, you got a good one. And um, he, he's my pastor in some ways. Uh, he's also my friend. And I'm really grateful that he would invite me to be here with you. So we, we talk a lot about love. Uh, on Mother's Day, we talk about love in the church a lot, don't we? God is love. We, we know about love. I often wonder if we're willing or able or if we even know that there's another side of love, right? And we heard this in the poem that I read from Sor Juana. That's why I love it so much. Love opened a mortal wound. Normally when we talk about love, we, we talk about all the good feelings, the really great things that come from it, the, the fuzzy feelings that come up and the, the, the warm goodness of it. But there's that other side, isn't there? <laughs> There's that other side that feels like a mortal wound. There's that other side that feels like it hurts. I wonder how often we're willing to talk about that. You know, it's not just in that poem that I read. It's actually in Song of Songs. If you read, if you read through, you know, uh, all of it, not, not the, the port portion that I read today, but if you read through the rest of the book, what you'll see is the author of some of these poems is constantly uh, using military language to reference love's effect on, you know, himself, herself, whoever it is. So, so you'll hear phrases like this, like, you have conquered me. You have overwhelmed me. You have captured my heart. You have overtaken me. You have imprisoned me. All of this military language, I think, is the author's way of showing the other side of love this side that maybe we don't always want to acknowledge, but it's there, this shadow side of love for all you unions out there. It's a tough thing to talk about, though, isn't it? The hard parts of love. If you've ever experienced loss, I mean, you know, you know this feeling, don't you? C.S. Lewis actually has this, this really great quote, and I'm, I'm going to butcher it, um, but it's, it's something like this. It's like, he says, if you, if you don't ever want to get hurt, if you don't want to feel heartbreak, if you don't want to feel pain, if you don't want to have emotional turmoil, just do one very simple thing. Don't love anyone, don't love anything, and especially, especially, do not love a pet, <laughs> right? Do you have any pet lovers out there? Yeah, you all know the other side of love. <laughs> You know, he, he said this after he lost, I think, his childhood dog. But it really gets at that other side of love. And I, and I wonder sometimes why we can't talk about it in the church. You know, they, popular culture talks about it. Um, Disney does a great job of this in the movie Up. Have you all seen Up? Up, I love, oh, I love that movie. Um, I love it, but I also have to be in the right mood to watch it because it's kind of devastating there at the beginning. Do you remember that opening montage where... 
Uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, it opens on this couple, and they're, they're actually at a church. It looks a lot like this, and they're, they're standing on the altar, and there's a pastor like me kind of, you know, standing back like this and marrying them, and then there's this crowd out there, and everyone's happy and excited, and uh, you see them walk away, and then you see the husband carry the wife across this threshold into a home that they bought, and it's this real um, fixer-upper, you know, and and they cut to this scene where uh, the couple begins to fix up the house together. And, you know, the, the couple are, they're having fun. There's playfulness. There's a lot of love in the air. There's a lot of joy in the house, even though, you know, the surroundings maybe aren't where they want them to be. And then it goes really dark. It actually gets really dark. You, you see this moment where um, the, the woman is in a doctor's office and the man is kind of watching through this open door and there's no dialogue. There's nothing that, that indicates this other than the mood that's set. But what we learn is that maybe um, the woman was pregnant at one time and she's not going to be able to have children anymore. And it gets really dark. And, and then you see these, these scenes go by where the couple, they're kind of working through that. And, and the man is trying to care for her, and she's trying to care for him, and they're repairing their relationship along the way. And it, it, it continues to go, and there are more ups and downs until pretty soon. <laughs> I don't want to spoil anything. Um, the, the couple, they're, um, they have to part ways. Life happens. And it's really hard, and the rest of the movie is about this old man that goes on this, this great adventure. But even Disney is willing to talk about this other side of love. And I wonder how often we are, that there, there is this really good side, but there's also this side that's hard to bear sometimes. There's that painful part of it. And again, you all know this if you've ever loved anyone or anything, especially a pet. You know, I had, I had pets growing up. I'm a, I'm a dog, cat lover. I love all kinds of animals. And um, if you have an animal, chances are I would love it. And, you know, I might spend more time with it if I was over at your house than I would with you. Because <laughs> uh, I, I just, I love, I love animals. But we had um, two cats growing up. Um, one, I, I named them both. One was called Oscar the Grouchy Grouch after uh, the Sesame Street character. I was three years old, so, so don't judge me for that. Um, and then the other was called Black Neon, and they were, they were these beautiful cats, but they were really my first friends. You know, before I really had, like, playmates and friends, I had these two cats, and I would, I would actually pick them up, one in each arm, and I would march them over to a corner of the house, and I would read to them, my mom said. I would spend time with them, and I would, like, play toys with them, and, and, and it was really, really wonderful, but I... I had a really bad allergy attack when I was four years old, and it was a mix of like seasonal allergies, and then the doctor said also cats and cat hair. And so my mom came to me, and she said, you're going to have to get rid of these cats. <laughs> and I'll never forget the day that the woman came to pick them up. She, um, the woman who took them, we actually knew it was a family friend, and she said, Garrett, I'll, I'll take really great care of these cats. You can come visit them anytime. And I could, and, and, and it was great, but it was still really, really hard to say goodbye. Love kind of opened that wound in me there. But after that, my mom came to me and she said, we want to get you a puppy. And she had done a lot of research and she had found this hypoallergenic breed, you know, a, a miniature toy poodle. And she said, we're, we're going to get you this dog and it's going to be great. And, and she did. And we got this little poodle named Alex. 
and Alex was like my best friend. You know, she would um, only greet me in the house. Have you ever had a pet like that? That it has like one person that they love and, and doesn't have any time for anyone else. This was Alex for me. Uh, she came out of her little um, bed when I came home, and that was it. She went everywhere with me. She used to go on runs with me when I was running cross country. Um, I took the dog swimming. I mean, we did a lot of things together. But I will never, ever, ever forget the day that Alex passed. I was, um, I was a senior in high school, and Alex had lived a very long life. I think she was 15 years old. I was a senior in high school, and I was up pretty early. It was like 6 a.m., and I was finishing uh, an essay that I had to write uh, that I had just put off and put off and put off. And um, I was sitting there. I'm typing away, trying to get some things done, and she came up to me, and she scratched at my leg. And she was kind of frail at that, at that point, and so we weren't really picking her up a lot. But she also wasn't moving a lot, and I thought it was weird that she was coming to me. She comes, she scratches at my leg, and so I kind of gingerly pick her up, and I put her in my lap, and then suddenly she just seizes, and that was it, right in my arms. And, you know, I started weeping, and I'm, like, calling for my mom. I'm like, Mom, 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 Alex is gone. And my mom, you know, I, I, I love my mother. Uh, we, we've had a, a difficult relationship over the years, but I... I do love her, but she came, and she's insanely practical. She's insanely pragmatic. She comes in, and she, she grabs the dog like it's no thing, you know, kind of gives me a rub on the shoulder and says, all right, you need to get to school. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, Mom, I'm not going to school right now. So I told her, I, you know, I actually lied, and I said, yep, okay, I'll go. I grabbed my bag, and I actually went to a Walmart parking lot, and I'll never forget. I just started weeping in my car. And I sat there, and I just cried, and I cried, and I cried, thinking of you know, how much I'm going to miss Alex, how much fun we had, how great it was. And I'll never forget, as I'm sitting there, and I'm going through all that pain of the love that you know, I'm losing, I just started laughing. <laughs> you know? I just broke into laughter, because I started thinking about all the crazy things that dog did, and all the great memories that I had of her. You know, one of the things she would do is I, I traveled a lot for baseball during the summers. And so I, I might be gone for eight to ten weeks at a time. But when I came home after that eight or ten weeks and Alex saw me, she would get the zoomies and just run around the house. Just go crazy and wild and jump up on all the furniture. And it was just, uh, it was just hilarious, you know. And I, I started laughing about that. And I, I, I started laughing, too, about the first time I took her swimming when she was a puppy, we went to this pond, and she was so excited to go swimming, she just started circling the pond. And after about three circles around a pretty big pond for, you know, a seven-pound dog, I thought, she's going to exhaust herself and drown if, if I don't get her. <laughs> you know, and, I, and I, I was laughing about that, like these, these great, great moments that I had with a pet that I lost. And then I thought, I can't do this again. <laughs> I'm, I'm never, ever going to get another dog. I've had four dogs since then. <laughs> yeah. I have two currently that are, are wonderful. Um, but love, love is hard, and, and, and we need to acknowledge that sometimes. It, it can be difficult, not just because we lose others, but it can be difficult in the relationship. You know, with my mother, it was really hard because she, she's very practical, she's very pragmatic, and I, I tend to be pretty sensitive, and I need a little bit of extra care, a little bit of extra comfort, and we have kind of always missed each other there over the years. And I've had to learn 
to adapt and she's had to <laughs> learn to adapt. We've had to learn from each other, but it hasn't been an easy road. I mean, all of you know that have been in relationships for a long time. They take work, don't they? They take time, they take, <laughs> they take energy. Um, we do a lot of weddings at Fort Street and I always tell our couples, you're gonna have to work at this. You're going to have to work. It's not going to be easy. You, you have a honeymoon feeling now, but there's a time that's coming where you're gonna have to put in some effort. It's going to be difficult. And so if there is this other side of love, if it is difficult sometimes, if it is painful, if it hurts, why do we do it? <laughs> why do we do it? Why do we keep engaging in it, right? And I think this is a good question. It was a question, actually, that a professor of mine and a professor of Anders asked in seminary. And he, he had this great story that he told. He said he was doing premarital counseling with this couple. And they had gone through the process. They had been through, like, these four sessions together. And it was a great, great couple. And they were obviously in love and willing to do the work that they needed to do to succeed. And it came to their final meeting. They're setting the order of service. They're getting ready for the ceremony. And the man says to the pastor and his soon-to-be wife, he says, I, I can't do this. You know, and all the color washes out of the wife's face or the, the, the fiance's face. And, and um, the, the professor, you know, was kind of shocked and like, oh, this, this hasn't happened before. What do we do? And he says, well, you know, tell me a little bit more about that. He's like, it's not, it's not because I don't love you. It's not because I don't want to be married to you. It's just I can't stand the thought of losing you. And the pastor turns to him and says, oh, you know what? You make a really good point. It might be best just to get this over with now. <laughs> Why don't we go? And, he, you know, he said it, he said it in jest and, and kind of went on to say that, yeah, it, it is going to be hard. And, and he had this line that, has kind of haunted me ever since, but he, he told this couple, he said, look, what this guy's saying is true, what he's feeling is true, it is going to be hard, and, and really, it's kind of a wonder that anyone would fall in love with anyone or anything, because it, it only ends in tragedy, right? It only ends in separation and in loss and that pain, and, and, and it raises this question again, so why would anyone get involved, not just in a marriage relationship, why? Would we get involved with love? There's a story that I wanted to tell, but I, I, I told it at another church and it didn't go over so well. So I want to... <laughs> I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it this morning. But here's what I will tell you. Go home and um, Google. <laughs> you could even do it right now. Google... The, <laughs> you're laughing now. You're not going to be laughing in a second. Um, <laughs> Google the, the effects of removing infant monkeys from their mothers. I, to I told you you wouldn't be laughing. I told you. Google that. Uh, this, I, I learned about this in the seminary class. But essentially, the, the point of the whole story that I'm not going to tell you is that it, we know scientifically that you have to have love to survive. You absolutely cannot make it very long at all if you don't have love. Um, you know, researchers want to say particularly a mother's love, but um, it's not just a mother's love because not all of us have that mother's love growing up, right? Love is actually necessary for life. It's something that you need to thrive. It's something you need to survive. It's something that you have to have. And so my question for us right now is, where's the love in your life? Where's the love in your life? 
It might be a significant other. It might be family. It might be friends. But where are you getting that love in your life? Where are you getting it? And I think it's important to ask because, you know, if, if you're asking that question, you're like, oh, well, I, you know, I do have it here, I do have it here, but maybe I don't have as much love as I'd like to have in my life. That kind of raises another question, doesn't it? Well, where do we find love if we need it? Where does love come from? And, and you could say God, and that, that would be the right answer in church, but we need to go a little bit deeper. Where, where do we get that love? Where do we find it? And I, and I actually like uh, a quote that I heard from the poet Rumi. You all familiar with, with Rumi? Um, another ancient poet that uh, I love. And Rumi says something to, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher this too, but um, says something to the effect of, you know, your, your task in seeking after love is not to go and find it. You don't need to search and, you know, look under things and go, go get it. What you need to do is remove the barriers that you've placed between you and the love that's already surrounding you. And so that makes me think that maybe love isn't something that we find, right? It's something that we seek after, yes, but it, it's, it's almost something that we make when there are things stopping us from getting there. There's, um, there, there's this great TV show called Schmigadoon. Have y'all, has anyone heard of Schmigadoon? <laughs> Thank you, Gretchen. <laughs> I talk about this at weddings, and no one's ever seen it either. So you are the first. Thank you. <laughs> Did you? Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, it's it. Yeah, it, it gets better. It's okay. Um, there's this one really great scene in it, though. Where that, so, if you don't know about the show, um, it's about this couple. They're going through a, this difficult patch in their relationship, and so they're going to go on this trip together, and they're taking a hike and. On this hike, um, they get lost in the woods, and they end up in this town called Schmigadoon. And this town is, you know, uh, it's in the middle of a forest. It's this sort of fairy tale land. But it's one giant musical waiting to happen at all times, right? So anytime the couple starts fighting, it's really funny. They, um, all the people of the town gather around, they just start singing a song, so everyone's happy. And the, the trick is the couple cannot escape this town of Schmigadoon until they figure out what the barrier is between their love for one another. And, and it's this really beautiful metaphor, and there's some great singing and songs and some funny moments. Um, but th there's this one really great scene where the, the pastor of the town of Schmigadoon is talking to one of the characters um, there, and, and he, says, he says, you know, I don't think that, something, <laughs> that love is something that you find. I think love is something that we make. I don't think love is something that we find. And, and, you know, he's saying this to a character that's, she's trying to find love, you know, in, in everything, and in other people and other things and escaping this town. And it's not something to be found. It's something to be made, this pastor says. And I love that because it reminds me of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful. Love um, hopes all things, believes all things. Love does, as one theologian once said. Love is a verb, you've probably heard. Love is something that we create, something that we do. It's not something that happens to us. It's not something that we can just wait to come down. Love is made. And if you read the rest of Song of Songs, that becomes abundantly clear <laughs> that love is made 
between others. And so my question for us this morning is, where are you making love in your life? Where is love in your life? Where would you like to make love in your life? Where would you like love to be cultivated so that you can experience it? And even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, even when, you know, it doesn't seem like (laughs) there's much fruit coming out of it, where do you want that love to happen? Are you willing to continue to cultivate it? You know, so often that we don't want to engage with the hard things of life and especially the hard sides of love um, because we're scared, because we, we don't have the courage, because we don't want to feel those things. And, and I think it's okay if, if you need to kind of step away and not engage. But eventually, we have to come back, don't we? We have to have those hard conversations. We have to engage with the hard parts of love. We have to find ourselves in relationship with one another because we need it. We have to have it to survive. And so, friends, I encourage you, go make love in the world. (laughs) Go create love. Don't wait on it to happen to you. Don't be afraid of it. It's good, and you need it. Let's pray. Good and loving God, thank you so much for today. God, thank you for the love that you give us. Thank you for the love that you have made for us. God, I pray that we would go into the world and do likewise to others. We would spread the love that we have received from you to help build your kingdom here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.